This is a Saddleback Church podcast. everybody. Today we are continuing our At The Movie series. We're going to be looking at Toy Story 4. I just got to say, I love this movie. Now, there are a lot of different things about this movie that I love. There's so many themes in here, and they really do mirror God's heart for our own lives. You, you might be wondering, what can I really learn from a movie about toys? But I'll be the first to say, uh, watching this movie as a grown man in my 40s, my early 40s, might I add, Uh, I was moved by this story. And it's not just because it's the last of the Toy Story series. It's It really has some powerful messages. It hits on a lot of the questions and struggles that we all relate to at different points in our lives. Now, today we're just going to focus on three of the characters and learn a lesson from each of them. And as I introduce them, I want to invite you to ask yourself which of these three characters you relate to the most. Now, let's start with Woody. As you probably know, his owner in the original Toy Story movie is named Andy. And I like that. My first name, obviously, is Andy. And uh, my last name is Wood. So since it's Woody and his owner was Andy, I kind of feel connected to him on a personal level. In fact, when I was a kid, people would call me Woody. Woody is the cowboy sheriff and leader of the toys from the first movie who sees his sole purpose as bringing joy to their owner, Bonnie. But when Bonnie's playtimes come around, this means the toys get a whole lot of anxiety. Though Woody tries to hide it, being repeatedly left to collect dust leaves him disappointed and discouraged. In many ways, Woody embodies people who might feel like the prime of their life has passed. Or that maybe they're not needed or wanted in ways that make them feel valuable. If that's you in any way and you resonate with Woody, let me read God's word over you. Let these words from Paul in Ephesians 2 sink into your heart. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You see, God assigns your worth separate from anything you could ever do of worth for him or for anybody else. This is kind of hard to believe, even if you've heard it many times, because we live in a world that glorifies and just focuses so much on productivity. We amplify comparison, and the world is constantly telling us we need to do work in order to earn love and approval. But God loves you, and he offers eternal life, not for doing good things or things that you've done well, And also, you don't have to earn some sort of a heavenly subscription status to be in good favor with God. Instead, God loves you apart from all of that. He gives you eternal life when you simply choose to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior, the best you know how. Now we meet the second toy. Bonnie is making Forky. Forky, who's definitely one of the most original and most lovable characters in the whole movie. Bonnie creates him out of materials in the trash, and despite being seen questionably by the other toys right away, he's Bonnie's new favorite. In the same way Bonnie handcrafts and finds so much joy 
and Forky, despite all of his quirks and imperfections, God also handmade and delights in each of us. Right after Ephesians 2.9, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's such a great word for us today. You are a masterpiece, handcrafted by God to fulfill his purposes for your life. Maybe that's hard for you to embrace or perhaps you don't feel valuable. We also see this in Forky, who's pretty much like a newborn baby at this point brand new to the world without any understanding of anything, including himself. So even though Bonnie made him to be a toy, he continues to see himself as trash. So much so that he keeps trying to jump into the trash can over and over again. Poor Woody has to keep tossing him out of it, trying hard to convince him that to Bonnie, he's the opposite of trash. He has a meaningful purpose as her toy. But Forky keeps trying to run away, and with Woody chasing him down, This leads to both of them at an antique store where they meet our third character, Gabby Gabby, or Gabby for short. The problem is her voice box is broken, so she tries to trick and trap Woody to take his. Like Gabby on her cabinet shelf, we've all been through periods of feeling stuck, where there seems to be a big gap between our dreams and our current reality. For some of you, it might be the longing to be in a different kind of job. For others, it might be a business or a ministry vision that still hasn't come to pass. Or maybe you're single and you want to be married. Or maybe you've been struggling to try to have a child. For me and Stacy, we experienced this for many years in our journey of infertility. And it also included suffering through a very painful miscarriage. Now, for those of you who are going through a season like that, a waiting season, one that might even feel like a desert season, God wants to remind you today that one of his names is El Roy, which means the God who sees. Psalm 34 says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to hear their cries for help. And later on, in Psalm 116, the psalmist writes, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. God sees everything and he sees you. He knows your pain. He hears your prayers and he's watching over you. In fact, God uses waiting and wilderness seasons as a way to teach us to draw closer to him, to find our comfort in him, to lean on him and to trust his timing, that his timing and his ways really are better than our own. So now that we've introduced Forky and Gabby, Let's look at three lessons each of them learned in the movie and what we can glean for our own lives. Let's start with Woody. Forky's now trapped in the antique store by Gabby and her crew, and Woody, with his friends, go and try to rescue him. But the mission fails, and they barely escape. Yet Woody insists on going back. Let's go back to Woody. His love interest, Bo Peep, asks him why he cares so much about Forky. And he admits that he believes making sure Bonnie has Forky is all he has left to do. He couldn't imagine having any other purpose or significance outside of that. And this is the same theme we see across all the Toy Story movies. Woody is always determined to get back to his owner and do whatever it takes to make them happy. But fast forward to the end, we see Woody is torn and confused as he's saying goodbye to Bo. He's confused because he wants to go with Bonnie 
but there's a powerful change that's about to happen inside of him. Now, sometimes our inner voice can get us in trouble. That's why we always check it against the word of God. But in this case, Woody's friend Buzz helps him realize that though he spent years focused on bringing joy to kids like Andy and Bonnie, he can let go of that assignment and embrace a new one, which is to stay with Bo and help lost toys, all the toys who don't belong to a kid yet, and help them find their way to a kid as well as unconditional love. It's a reminder to all the Woodies out there, those of you unsure whether you still have something valuable to offer, that if you're here and listening to my voice, God is not done with you. The Apostle Paul tells us uh, from God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me say it one more time. God is not done with you yet. God is working in and through you, and he's doing this in an ongoing way. A part of our lifelong purpose is to embrace God's great commission, to reach those who are lost and help them know and experience God's love. How God uses us to do that looks different in every season of life, but each season is significant to him. See, my assignment may change, but God's eternal purposes for my life never cease. This has been my journey for the last several years. Now, when Stacy and I started and pastored a church in the San Francisco Bay Area for 14 years, we thought we'd never leave, but God had other plans. Here we are. Our assignment is now different, but our calling to follow God and our purpose to know, love, and serve God remains the same. I wonder today if some of you might still be clinging to an old assignment from God. I wonder if you would be willing to ask God, God, how do you want me to fulfill your purposes in my life in this season? Is there anything you want me to let go of to make room for and step into the new? As for Forky's struggle to see himself as anything other than trash, Woody finally manages to help him in an unconventional way. In terms that make sense only to Forky, Woody helps Forky finally understand his purpose as Bonnie's toy. There's one theme I want to pull out here. No matter how we might feel or see ourselves, God sees us as his invaluable treasure, set apart for his amazing purposes, way beyond what we can perceive. He was willing to pay the ultimate price to redeem our lives and bring us into his forever family. Listen to these words from Peter. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So even when I feel worthless, God sees me as priceless. I want to say that again. I want you to hear it. Even when I feel worthless, God sees me as priceless. I hope that truth can sink in for you at a heart level. You are so valuable to Jesus that he would pay the ultimate price by giving his life on a cross for you. So many identity wars in our culture right now And yet it's so important to come back to this reality. The most 
important part of who you are is who you are as a child of God, chosen by him as a son and a daughter brought into his family. First Peter 2 tells us, you are now as a result of this, once you place your trust in Jesus, your identity shifts and you are called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I want you to hear the personal nature of this description of who you are. He's a personal loving God. And this is so that you may proclaim, Peter says, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, this is so powerful. Let that sink in. God sees you as a child. When you put your trust in him, he changes your identity. You are so valuable to him. Now, lastly, I want to come to Gabby. She ends up at the brink of her dream when at last Harmony notices her. Maybe you're here today and like Gabby, you felt hurt, rejected, forgotten, neglected, maybe by others or maybe even by God. But I love this verse from the book of Isaiah. God tells us, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, this is God speaking, saying, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. And the way he wrote his love for us into his hands was with nails as he was crucified for us. God cares about you. And those scars that are still there on the body of Jesus are a reminder. God does not forget or neglect those he created. He always has our best interest at mind and heart. And though his plans might play out much differently than we expect, he's still at work in the midst of it. For Gabby, getting painfully rejected by Harmony actually ends up redirecting her to be able to not only have her dream of belonging to a loving child, but in the process, helping that kid find the courage to find and reunite with her parents. In the same way, Rejection is always God's redirection for something better in the bigger picture that only he can see. Isaiah 64 says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. See, while you're waiting, God is working. And as we wait for God, he is caring for us actively moving forward his purposes for our lives. God's ways and timing are far beyond our human comprehension. And even when what unfolds may look unconventional or unexpected, ultimately, even the things that might feel like a detour are all a part of his perfect plans. And so God is redirecting my disappointment for his greater purposes for my life. I find so much hope and contentment in that phrase. He's redirecting all of my disappointment for his greater purposes for my life. Throughout my life, I've found great encouragement through this verse found in Romans. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I want to read that one more time. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. He's working out 
all that pain, all that disappointment, he's doing it for his glory and for your good. For all these characters, the movie also highlights so many other themes. It highlights the power of community and helping them discover and live out their purpose. For example, Woody helps Forky know his worth and understand his purpose as Bonnie's toy. The toys also speak life into another character named Duke, who is held back by his painful past. They help him see that his past doesn't limit him and to embrace who he is right now, which launches him to further heights than any of them had ever seen. Woody and Bo also choose to fight for Gabby, risking their lives in security to infuse truth and hope into her that harmony wasn't her only chance at being loved by a kid. In the same way, God didn't make us to be isolated, but to be interdependent within the context of community. It's through the love, support, prayers, truth, wisdom, and encouragement of others that we've been able to discover and that we're able to discover and grow in God's purposes for our lives. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, Our bodies have many parts and God has put them together just where he wants them. How strange would it be if the body only had one part? So the church is a body. We all work together to accomplish God's purposes. We need each other. So let me ask you again, out of Woody, Forky, and Gabby, who do you relate to the most? If you're like Woody and doubt if you have purpose still, rest assured in knowing my assignment may change, but God's eternal purposes for my life never cease. If you're like Forky, doubting your identity, if you can even be used by God, know that God delights in you and he loves using the least likely people for his perfect purposes. Even when I feel worthless, God sees me as priceless. And if you identify with Gabby, waiting on unfulfilled dreams, God is redirecting all of those disappointments for his greater purposes for your life. Regardless of where you find yourself, God designed you to need community with others, to link arms and spur one another in love, hope, and faith, to live the life he's created you to live. But in the movie's ups and downs, what really gets to us the most is the theme of radical, sacrificial love. For instance, Woody risks his life multiple times and ends up giving up his own signature voice to save Forky. Later on, Woody also risks everything again for Gabby. Bo shows this too when she also refuses to leave the antique store without first saving her lost sheep, which quite literally parallels Jesus' parable in Luke 15. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, if you're journeying with us throughout the movies, you're seeing this verse come up over and over again. Perhaps God is trying to communicate to us through this very powerful parable to our church, to our lives right now in a significant way. Jesus uses this to illustrate God's relentless pursuit after those who've strayed away from him. In John 10, 11, Jesus says, I 
and the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I love this verse. I've got a little character a carving of a, of a shepherd that I keep on my desk. And that little carving of the shepherd, a little wood character, reminds me of this verse over and over and over again. That my calling is to be a good shepherd representing the great shepherd, Jesus himself. See, Jesus is a good shepherd who sacrificed his life for us. He suffered a painful death on the cross to pay the price for your sins, for my sins. Before you were ever born, he did this so that you could have forgiveness, redemption, and a restored relationship with God by simply placing your faith in Jesus. Now, if you've never made that decision or received that gift of life, it's not too late. Whether you've believed or not, Jesus has been pursuing you your entire life, inviting you back to him with open arms. I want to invite you to receive that gift today. In fact, I'd like at all of our campuses to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. And if you want to make that decision today, would you join me in saying a prayer? If you feel God tugging on your heart, pulling you into relationship, inviting you, just say to him, Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I've fallen short. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. I choose to believe that you are the son of God who died for my sins and rose again. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your grace, salvation, the hope of eternal life. Help me to follow you and live out your great purposes for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm celebrating with you. We want to celebrate at all of our campuses. Saying yes to Jesus is the best decision you can ever make with your life. And it's the beginning of an incredible journey. Please make sure to let us know about your decision today through your next step section of the digital program. We want to come alongside of you, support you in your journey. I just want to say, I'm so proud of you for your step, for your desire to know God and grow in your faith. We hope you leave today encouraged, knowing that God loves you as you are, that he's given you purpose right where you are, right now, that he's made you to be in community with people who can help people who can help you live out his purposes for your life and that he wants us all to more relentlessly pursue his love, to reach out to those who are in need and to care for people who don't know him. In fact, you may even want to bring somebody back with you next week as we continue our At The Movie series. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your great love for us. Help us receive it and give it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.